Let's sell liberty and look good doing it with Proud Libertarian. Folks, when we're selling liberty, we have to start things off by peaking interest. And what better way to peak some interest than by rocking some amazing apparel from Proud Libertarian. Personally, I'm a huge fan of their Do Good Recklessly t-shirt, but there's more than t-shirts to find from awesome taxationist theft snapbacks to the killer Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death hoodies. Proud Libertarian has all the libertarian swag you need. And guess what? Brian Nichols Show audience members can rock the latest libertarian swag and save some cash on every single order. All you have to do, use code TBNS at checkout and you'll get 10% off your entire cart at checkout. That's right. Each time you order, use code TBNS and you'll instantly get 10% off your entire order. Listen, I am super excited to have Proud Libertarian here as a sponsor of the Brian Nichols Show. So do me a favor, head over there to Proud Libertarian, place your order today, use code TBNS at checkout, save 10% on your order and help support libertarian entrepreneurs today. Can I pause for a second and, and just note that uh, we got Brian on here who's getting uh, Congressman Massey on and our typical lineup includes like homeless people that believe in Bigfoot. <laughs> Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. The Brian Nichols Show is the fastest growing liberty podcast that brings together people from all means of political thought as we seek to have meaningful conversations about the issues you care about. At The Brian Nichols Show, our goal is to leave the audience educated, enlightened, and informed. And now your host, Brian Nichols. Happy Sunday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of our Sunday Candidate Highlight Series. And today we are joined not by a libertarian running for office, but rather a libertarian who has won. And that is one Trisha Butler. She is joining the program and she is the council member for the 12th Ward down in Clarksville, Tennessee. So Trisha joins the program to help us learn how libertarians can be human, reach people on a human to human basis, entering conversations that they're already having and meeting people where they're at. She has the skins on the wall. She has won her office and now she can help get policy into action, folks. This is an opportunity to learn on how it's done. So that being said, onto the show, Trisha Butler here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Trisha from Clarksville, Tennessee. You are the 12th Ward Council person and elephant in the room well you're not an elephant you're a libertarian a porcupine and and that's something that we try to raise up here at the program the successes and hey there you go that's right and we're on the video version of the program folks so this is usually airing uh, on sundays and, and now folks can get to see the interview as well so let's start off here trisha we like to tout not just libertarian candidates on the sunday highlight series but we also like to tout in this case some libertarian success stories now I know you were saying tongue-in-cheek that we haven't had too many policy successes yet from a, uh, a standpoint of getting stuff into action, but I dare say you're changing the conversation. So, Trisha Butler, let's start off introducing yourself to the program and uh, what got you into this world of libertarian politics? Oh, man. All right. So, I'm Trisha Butler. I do serve Ward 12 in Clarksville, Tennessee. Clarksville, Tennessee is the fifth biggest city in, uh, in Tennessee. Most people don't realize that. Um, I also happen to be in the biggest ward because we're about to redistrict. So I have around 20,000 constituents. Um, what brought me into libertarianism? I would have to say, well, I had a friend who taught me about um, libertarianism during my second, no, mid-tour leave, my first tour uh, from Iraq. 
and she was really um, the big into Bob Barr and stuff like that. So she got me interested way back when, but I finally bit the bullet and registered as a libertarian. I was living in Pennsylvania at the time. So I have my card. I'm really proud of it. Um, in 2016, because I was like, we're not doing this Trump thing. No, we're not. <laughs> so, Yeah, the Trump thing, I think it woke a lot of people up in terms of wanting to find something different. They they were like, oh, if, if especially if you're in the GOP. And that's where originally I came from was the, I was in the Rand Paul camp. I was thinking, oh, Ron Paul's son, this just makes as a natural sense the progression. Also, I got to see him, you know, standing up and doing a filibuster about how it's not cool to go ahead and just, you know, unilaterally drone American citizens without, you know, them being, I guess, found to be an actual criminal or, in, I mean, hey, time out. Should we even be having this conversation about droning U.S. citizens? <laughs> time out. This is a weird conversation to be having. So that was my approach. And then you see Donald Trump and to, to paraphrase John Mulaney, I mean, horse in the hospital. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. And, and people just kind of stood back and let him really in the GOP primaries steam over everybody. Um, and then the narrative changed. So I was looking for a home. And I think that's where a lot of folks in the Libertarian Party, they did gravitate, especially in 2016, away from what was presented as the bad option from the right, but also a bad option from the left. And one of the things I think we've been having some success in is reaching people where they're at on particular issues that aren't overtly left or right. Okay, I love that you love that because that's something that we've been focusing on the program is meeting people on the things that matter to them. I don't care about us, like what we care about, because um, at the end of the day, they're not going to really care too much either. They want to make sure that their issues are being addressed. So let's talk about the friends on the left. What have you found to be some of the number one issues that are on the top of their radar here as we are in 2021? Um, so obviously a lot of... Uh, the police policing the police and things like that. Um, I'm on the same side as my friend. And I do have friends on the left. The girl that sits right next to you in city council is a outspoken progressive. And we agree on most, we don't agree on most things, but we get along really well. So, you know, of course um, the police and we agree on cannabis issues, uh, stuff like that. So there's a really, it's really a lot more, as long as we're focusing on what we agree on instead of what we disagree on, it really, it, especially at a local level, there's a lot more, you know? Yeah. Oh, well, and that's, I think, what people are looking for. I was actually just having this conversation um, with a good friend, of, and he's going to be on the program in a little bit, uh, friend Max Gulker. And, you know, he, we, we approach things a little differently in terms of, I, I look at, you know, trying to build more coalitions and collaborate with people on issues that we can, I, I would say, actually accomplish. Uh, and I find that policy is infinitely more uh, consequential than rhetoric. I mean, I'm just, I'm so tired of the mentality that we, we have to be more focused on who's saying what versus who's actually doing stuff and accomplishing things. And here's, I'm a sales executive by trade. And one of the things that I like to do is help with solving the reality gap. Where are you right now? And where are we going to end up? And as we, in the local level, especially local level, start to answer those questions that people are currently asking, and then once the policy is in place, regardless if it's a Republican, a Democrat, or in this case, a Libertarian that passes it, as it starts to have a positive success and it starts to show those people the value of the policy, that's when we can say, hey, by the way, that happened to be a Libertarian policy. How about that? We thought of that. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, that was another thing that uh, I was in big agreement with um, a lot of the people that would be considered left. And honestly, when I sit up on city council, I'm not really looking at uh, 
affiliation, like seriously. But one of the big things that I did have in common with a lot of the Democrat leaders around here was um, the short-term rentals. I tried to mm-hmm. repeal the short-term rentals uh, ordinance. So, what, what was them? So, when you're talking to the friends on the left, and they're bringing up these issues, I think part of the problem I've found is that they look to government to be the ultimate. And, you know, in this case, the judge, jury, execution, or any policy prescription that's put out there. So how can we maybe help change that conversation? So that we're pre-framing almost the, the context versus saying government's going to be the solution and the, the person, or in this case, the organization solving the problem, and rather changing it to start looking at more market-based solutions that they would actually entertain. You know what's funny? I I can't really. A lot of the the left leading people that I work with on city council, they actually agree that the government. I I wow. live in an area. I live in an area where everybody's kind of upset with the the local government right now. So I don't run into that as much as until we start when we start talking about national or state stuff. That's when it comes up. But I really don't have that problem um in the local level yet. Yet. <laughs> so. Let's talk about local level. So obviously in Clarksville, I'm sure the lockdowns have impacted your area despite being a red. No, I, and again, this might just be me. I feel like we've been pretty good about that kind of stuff. Um, As far as lockdown, we've been allowed to leave our house since like, I want to say May of last year. It lasted like a month, the whole shutdown. Um, wow. However, I I make I make a conscious decision to kind of I've been making the conscious decision decision to kind of stay uh you know out of public so much. But I was going last uh, November. I was going to uh, events that had 250 people. No one was wearing a mask. So I don't. <laughs> this is the same thing. People were like, "It's such a bad. It's so bad." And I'm like, I feel like we have been. Uh, protected from that here in Clarksville to some extent. I think the context, I mean, so number one, this just speaks to why federalism is so important because I live in Philadelphia and I mean, still we have restrictions on, on restaurants here in terms of what you're able to do. And I, it, I still can't believe it sometimes. Like I will be driving home. I was literally driving home from the office today and I saw a guy on his bicycle wearing a mask without wearing a helmet. What are we doing? And, and <laughs> in the car, everybody, everybody in Clarksville has their mask on alone in their car. And I'm like, and I don't so get it. it. Yeah, it, it, right, it, that, exactly. I don't get it. And I think maybe there is, we're seeing more and more. There's almost two Americas, which I, I don't like that we're getting to this point, but there's the folks who are like, I just don't get this approach. Like what? And, and it's more so of like a top down approach. Like why are we looking at the federal government to say this needs to be the policy, especially when we look to places like where you are in Tennessee or states like Texas and Florida who are doing the exact opposite policy that's being promoted by the federal government and they're having infinitely more successful results. I don't even have anything to add to that because I've been watching in Texas because, you know, something will come out on the news and it's Texas is, is lifting all their, wait till you see the spike. And then, you know, a couple of weeks later, you're still like, oh, where's the spike, guys? And I don't pretend to understand how COVID works. I never have. But the one thing that I said from the beginning, I'm going to do what makes sense in my head. So that's why when I go certain places like gas stations, for instance, someone's always breathing down your neck in a gas station. I wear a mask in a gas station. 
So I do what makes sense. Um, but we're, it's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense. And and it has absolutely 150% been we- uh, weaponized. The whole oh. Um, I would love to see what happened if this had not been a presidential election year. Um, and it's like, this is people's health that you're messing with. You cannot use this for politics. It's crazy. We don't know. We're not getting information. When we get information, we don't know if it's trustworthy. And it's like, it's, it has flabbergasted me from the beginning. And, you know, when people were saying election infection, I had to giggle because I'm like, it's true. It, it really was. And I'm not saying that COVID's not real. But I'm saying if you have any question in your mind whether or not that has been used to influence all of us and the electoral decisions in the last year, you are being willfully blind. Yeah, well, Bill Maher, who, I mean, he's said a bajillion times before that he's libertarian-ish of some sorts, but he's kind of making some libertarian uh, spidey senses tingle because he just went across uh, his, his channel there talking about the absolute insanity and how when you look at the narrative of what COVID was supposed to be versus what actually happened, what did COVID actually do, and here's the dirty, rotten secret that people don't really want to address is that if you are under the age of 50, you're relatively going to be okay. Now, oh my goodness, folks, yes, we know for for certain there are folks who are going to get sick that are under the age of 50. That's not what we're saying, but what the point is, is that you cannot just arbitrarily lock down society indefinitely, and we've seen this with Dr. Fauci, but also when the data just isn't backing up that narrative. Well, we're not looking at the data. Right. And that's the whole problem that I have. It's it's never been about facts and data. It's always been about control, in my opinion. Like even when they were telling us not to wear masks in the beginning, I truthfully believe that the reason that they told us in the very, very beginning not to worry about masks, it wasn't just about the fact that they didn't have enough healthcare workers. I think it was because they were trying to keep us from freaking out. And then yeah. when it when it behooved them to do so, then they made a mask mandate. You know, and that is the biggest problem is that there is no truth. And how are we as citizens supposed to make the best decisions for us and our family if we cannot go anywhere to find truth because it's all partisan and it's all about your side winning yes well and that's what happens when the conversation is weaponized right if you can't enter into a conversation in good faith and we saw this if you're not even allowing dissenting views to enter into the conversation then people they should be very skeptical of what it is that you're promoting as your truth, your version of the absolute guaranteed objective reality. That, And this is, I think, very helpful for libertarians across the board, is that, and I'd love to hear your, your thoughts on this, Trish, is that we've seen as more and more folks have watched what has happened as government has started to go through in its response to the COVID lockdowns and then folks realizing how wrong the government has been in so many different areas that people, I think, are becoming more inherently skeptical of government just across the board. Um, I would agree. I can't, I can't really add like a whole lot to that. I would absolutely agree. Um, I think that you can see that a little bit with the passports. And again, I feel like I live kind of in a sheltered area. Um, I immediately made it just so happened that when the passport thing dropped, uh, I put my two cents about that during a city council meeting kind of at the at the end, you know, and basically I said, hey, listen, you've been saying this together from the beginning. Don't start separating us by our vaccination status now. 
you know, and I, and again, sheltered, but I haven't really heard like a whole lot more about that coming down anywhere around here. So, hmm. well, it, and I guess it's making a difference. Uh, so let's look at maybe something that's going to impact the future. And that's from an educational standpoint. School choice has been just running rampant. I've, I've had Corey DeAngelis in the program talking about the, the merits of school choice and him trying to get uh, more more states to start funding students, not institutions. So, Trisha, has there been a, a conversation of school choice, especially during an era of uh, COVID lockdowns where students are being forced to sit home from school? So let me explain a couple of things. First of all, in Clarksville, our county handles schools. So I don't have any kind of vote on what goes on with schools. However, I have four children and three of them are school age. One will be starting kindergarten um, in the fall. So this is something that is important to me. Um, It's been kind of cool. Again, here we had the option whether to send kids to school or not. And when you start talking about school option, we we were forced into this situation by COVID. Well, you know, by the government with COVID. Um, But we ended up finding out that we have at least one child that does infinitely better being schooled at home. And we have another child. uh, Well, actually, two Our two other our two boys. They needed to go back to school. So that's been kind of neat. But I think that to me that really highlights the fact that we need to be doing what's good for our kids and not even family by family, by individual. We're a party of individuals, right? So even your individual kids uh, matter. So for us, we have serious overcrowding in schools. And one of the things that happened was they ended up opening the cyber school. It's like indefinite now. That is an option, which is really good around here because we have a lot of military kids. So again, I feel like a spoiled brat, but I feel like it has worked better for us. Um, Tennessee tends to be a like give out vouchers type of state anyway. Um, But this is something that I listen to a lot of clubhouses about just because I, I find it interesting. And if I should ever go up toward a state level um you know it's something that i would have to be i would have to at least know what's been going on for the past few years you know what i mean yeah so trisha what you're saying is i'm gonna put my kathy newman hat on so what you're saying is is that we're gonna have to have you on again in the future for the sunday candidate highlight series for a potential state run okay noted we're gonna put that down here in the notes also one thing um that i do like to hear and i i like to you know obviously have some fun here but one thing that you're talking about specifically with with school choice and we're seeing this across the board is people have just started to realize that government didn't have the answers and this is such a great opportunity for us to talk about spontaneous order right now we don't have to call it spontaneous order but we can call it what uh pandemic pods was that what the term was where just spontaneously across the united states parents started to yeah they started to work together going on facebook groups and building little communities hiring teachers on their own to teach their kids and my libertarian like self was just like beaming from ear to ear because nobody 10 years ago five years ago a year ago could have even imagined this being the reality and yet here we are, it just pops out of nowhere, and that just speaks to the value that, hey, government doesn't always have to have the answers, and actually, government usually doesn't have the answers, and who ends up having the answers? The free market. Yep, and the government, I love that, the way everyone always says, I'm not saying that it doesn't need to be, there doesn't need to be a solution, I'm just saying the government is never the best at finding a solution, and I do think that we do better with that. And the, the pod system is a really good example of that. I agree. So we talked about what we do well. 
because we can talk about what we do, well, all day long. But my show is focused on sales. And part about sales is looking at the things that maybe we don't do well and we can focus on getting better at. So, Trisha, you get an open platform here to talk to libertarians directly. What can we do better to reach more people, as you liked it when I said, meet them where they're at? I, that's always I always use that and it's like a, it's an old Christian thing I guess from from growing up Christian you know meet people where they're at and um, so I do really like that what you say uh, another one of my favorite things to say is you know brush your teeth and put on a blazer like it's not that difficult um, we like to as libertarians we're smart we're philosophers I get that I happen to be a libertarian that doesn't read a lot of books and isn't one of the smart philosophers so. I am trying to bridge that gap between being smart philosopher guy and normie because, you know, when I decided to run for office, I was a stay at home mom. Like, and I'm not trying to, okay, I get it. Rothbard and, and Mises and, and Rand, it's all really great, but I have four children running around my feet and I'm not going to sit down and read a book right now. <laughs> so, and it's, it's extremely important. And I say this a lot. Um, our, our current vice chair, my very first state convention, um, he, he had done a speech and he said, you know, we have these important parts. We have leaders, we have candidates, we have the philosophers, and we have the activists. And I think right now what we need to do is work together within those capacities on each other's strengths. Like one of the biggest problems that we have is instead of finding a, um, a campaign, instead of finding a race that is a winnable, viable race, all right, which mine was in the beginning, toward the end it kind of wasn't. But uh, when we find a winnable, viable race, find a candidate for that race. Instead, it's like whoever stands up and says, hey, I'll do it. Then we're like, yeah. <laughs> and, and a lot of times those, it, it, you have to have skills to yes. interact with the community. Something that libertarians do not love because they consider this unprincipled is that when you run a campaign, it's all about branding. You're talking, you said this is about sales, right? It's all about campaigns are about name recognition and branding, you know? So if we're, we have someone who's just extremely principled, but cannot articulate that in words that a normie could understand, these are, these are the places then they get caught up and they, they get on these tangents, wild tangents. And, you know, the voters want to know, you said this earlier in the show too, what can you do for me? And that is why meeting them where they're at matters, you know? So yes, I would knock a door and someone would say, well, where do you stand on abortion? And I'm like, this is a city level race. I'm never going to vote on that. And they're like, yeah, but it's, you, you know, this, it's my litmus test. And it's like, all right, fine. You even have to find ways to tell them the answer to that question while not shutting them down completely. And you know us, we like to be contrarians. And when you're running campaigns, you cannot be like, it's all about branding. And you don't, keeping your mouth shut sometimes doesn't mean that you're not principled. Because I'll tell you what, if anyone ever asked me, I told them the truth, you know? as softly as possible sometimes. Yeah, well, silence can never be misquoted and you can never have to be in a situation to take something back that you didn't say. So, and I see this too in this, I guess this is just in the greater liberty unity world. So here, peek behind the curtain, folks. We're recording this episode here on Tuesday the 30th and tonight I'm going to be joining Reed Coverdale. So folks, as this is airing on Sunday's episode, make sure you go ahead and check out that episode uh, with Reed. But we're, 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 
we're talking about and are going to be talking about tonight, uh, how we can bring the idea of, of meeting people where they're at, selling liberty, but helping bridge the liberty unity gap where we currently are focused too much on the issues we think that matter and instead again meeting people where they're at solving their problems and being good listeners and helping making sure that people feel like oh these libertarians actually care and i'm sorry i've never really found somebody to enter into a great conversation just from being a smart ass or a contrarian to your point uh, it never really seems to work out too well people seem to resonate more when you come across as somebody genuinely caring understanding and empathetic and yes i know empathy is is something we don't want to focus on entirely but guess what people want to feel cared for so there's a reason that uh, we we have a lot of room to grow, and that's why I want to make sure we had you in the show, Trisha, because you're showing how we can accomplish these uh, these wins across the board. Now, I'm going to look at your your elected uh, role here as an absolute win because now you're reaching more people, and it's going to give you more of a chance to get some policy. So what's some policy actions that you're looking to uh, hopefully get moving into action as we move forward here through 2021? So let me tell you a little something that I have learned in my first uh, three slash four months in office. Um, this is politics is very much a game and it is a lot dirtier than you could even imagine when you're looking at it from the outside. There are people that you want to work with that will vote against something that they agree with just to spite you. Um, so I am trying to navigate that. Um, I jumped right into this and fulfilled all of the things that I had um, said that I was going to try to accomplish when I was campaigning. So I put forward a cannabis uh, deregulation resolution that was kicked down. We did the Second Amendment Sanctuary uh, City that was actually passed. Um, and then, like I was saying, I tried to repeal the short-term rentals and that passed first reading and then failed the second reading. So politics is very much a game and I'm going to have to work on my diplomacy and stuff. So see, even even I have a good idea as a libertarian about diplomacy and campaigns, but now that I'm in the office, it's learning. So one of the things that I've kind of have done um, is since we're getting ready to do budgets and stuff, I'm going to simmer down on some of the legislation. But the things that I put in are already things that the people told me to put in. So what happens is even if it fails, I get to come back and say, you're failing your, you're failing your constituents. They asked me to put this forward. You told them no, you know? And so it's about accountability and transparency in that. And if my, if that is all my failures um, accomplished, that is good enough for me. Um, but as far as, as far as getting some legislation to actually uh, work out, I am trying to build those relationships and stuff so that we can do that um, futuristically. But I'm always I'm always open to ideas. I try to tell my constituency that. I'm like, what do you want me to do? I'm up here, I'm representing. Now tell me what to do, you know? Well, it's so. great because you get to talk to the people who are actually experiencing the policy firsthand. And here's, here, and as we wrap up the show, Trish, I think this is a great way to segue to the end. And, and we talked about this beforehand. What do people need to see that we are? That we're not robots. They need to see libertarians as humans. So, this is the challenge. We need to make libertarians human again, okay? Because otherwise, people are not going to be paying attention to us. We're just going to be the 14, you know, page of text on Facebook that they're going to go ahead and scroll right past. And that's who we've been 
if we are going to keep doing the same thing over and over again, we're only going to get the same results. So... Well, you sound like a populist. Oh, goodness. I know. I'm a normal person. Libertarians are normal people. We are, we literally, like the bulk majority of us, the loud ones, yes. People don't understand that the loud people in the Libertarian Party are not the the base. Like a lot of people around are just Libertarian by nature. I was one of those people. Ron Paul just told me what Libertarian meant, you know? So especially me around here with veterans, we all just want to be left the hell alone. Oh, I don't know if I can say hell. No, you can. No, it's good. Yeah. But, but yeah, so so just and, and like I said, I get yelled at. You're well, you're just a populist. Well, I ran on I'm here for the people. You deserve to have the power back. And you know, I care. I it's funny that you were talking about empathy and saying that. I wrote I care on all my door hangers when I put them out because that's all I need. Look, I left, right, libertarian, it doesn't matter. I'm your representative reach out to me anytime and I'm going to listen to you. And I do, I think that it's, it's like the softer side of Sears, the, you know, the libertarian party. We just need to be exactly what we are and take situations. And the libertarian spin on a situation is, you know, relatively organic. It's something that most people can deal with. Even my hyper left friends, I give them an example and they're like, yeah, I don't really agree with that, but that makes sense, actually. You know what I mean? So, and the one thing, and this is super cool, the one thing that people always say is, even if I don't agree with you, you're consistent. So as long as we're as long as we're saying the same things, no matter what, it, we can't be letting our emotions or our personal stances get in the way of that, like, the liberty and the freedom of, yeah, even if I don't agree with you, you get to do that. It's your inherent human right. Yep. And and honestly, this is the type of conversation. I've been saying this more and more frequently because we've been having some really good conversations in the program lately. But this is the conversation that people care about. This People don't care about the, the split of the Libertarian Party. People don't care about which strategy worked in the 90s versus today. Like... Let's talk about 2021 and what just happened, like, to all of us with an entire, like, society that was shut down arbitrarily for, in some cases, still happening. I mean, look at Canada. Like, oh my god, Ontario, they're arresting 12-year-olds for being out on their skateboards? What's happening? And I think we sometimes... And I think it was actually Dave Smith was focusing on this, our moral outrage. We only have so much moral outrage that we can go ahead and have expended every single day. And when we're expending the moral outrage in areas that are completely just wastes of time, like, what are we doing? Are we spinning our wheels trying to focus on being right? Or are we spinning our wheels trying to actually get people into our movement, change people's hearts and minds. Trisha Butler, that's what you've been doing down in Clarksville, Tennessee. So with that being said, I want you to make sure we can go ahead, point folks your way, give us plugs, show plugs, all that kind of fun stuff, and where they can go ahead and support all that you're going to be doing here as maybe state elections come down the road. Stop it. So I actually have three more years, and I've already said I'm not going to run in two years. I want to I want to give my constituents what they elected me for, and that was four years. Um, my campaign page is still up. You can still donate there. It's trishabutler.com. I swear eventually I'm going to update that page. I can be found on, uh, you know, all the regulars, Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff at Trisha Butler TN, which is down there. Correct. 
Um, and, and you can always reach out to me, Facebook, my, all of my information is public knowledge. I'm not going to put my telephone number out here, but if you want it, it's pretty easy to find. So, yeah, <laughs> Let's not be there. weird folks. Come on. Nope. Don't be weird. If, if we want to get in touch with Trisha, we'll, we'll include the show, the, the show notes here with all the links. So it's easier for folks to go ahead and find you that way. No phone numbers to be had, but Trisha, thank you. And I say this to every single candidate who is out there running. And now I can say it to a candidate who not only ran, but one, thank you for running and thank you for all you're going to be doing helping promote liberty going forward in Clarksville, Tennessee. Trisha Butler, thank you for joining the program. Thanks for having me. Who likes going to the grocery store? You have to pick up the car, head to the store, shop amongst the covid masses, stand in line for hours at checkout, then drive all the way back home only to have to lug your groceries into the house. Well, what if you were able to get all your groceries delivered right to your door with savings up to 50% off of the big guys? Brian, your Thrive Market order has arrived. Thrive Market is one of the top grocery store alternatives on the market, featuring hundreds of products for specific diets and lifestyles. So, you eating paleo or Whole30, or you live in that keto life? Perhaps you have celiacs like yours truly, and you want some gluten-free options that actually taste good. Side note, Thrive literally has one of the best gluten-free pizza crusts I've ever had. Literally have it every single week. And here's what's even better. Not only do all orders over $49 get free shipping, but members of the Brian Nichols Show audience get 20% off their first order, plus get one month of their Thrive membership for free. So head over to the show notes and click the link for your exclusive Thrive Market offer and start skipping the grocery store today. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Trisha Butler. Thank you so much, Trisha, for fighting the good fight, not only running for office, but winning elected office as a libertarian. Folks, if you enjoyed today's episode, well, do me a favor. Number one, make sure you go ahead and share today's episode, especially if you are in the greater Clarksville, Tennessee area, or if you're just in general a fun-loving libertarian who wants to go ahead and raise the word. Yes, there are libertarians out there who are winning elections and making things better. Let's tell that story and let's tell Trisha's story. So folks, when you go ahead and share today's episode, make sure you tag Trisha. I'll include her social media in the show notes and give yours truly here a tag as well at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Minds.com, and Parlor.com. Also, folks, if you had not had the chance yet, head over to Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star rating and review. And if you're a longtime audio listener, yes, there is a new video version of the program. Head over to YouTube, click the link, in the show notes, hit that subscribe button, number one. Number two, hit the magic little bell icon. Uh, right, it's probably right if you're looking at the video version, like right about here or so. Uh, so you're not missing a single episode. And yes, we're airing four times a week here, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, traditionally on the podcast version. For YouTube, though, you get to go ahead and catch the program before everyone else. That's right. Every Sunday night, month, or yeah, Sunday night. I had to get the days right. Sunday night, Tuesday night, and Thursday night, folks, 8 p.m. Eastern. You can tune in on the YouTube and catch the program before anyone else. And uh, actually, coming up here tonight, we are going to be joined once again by good friend of the show, Max Gulker. Now, Max is an economist, and he's been on the program before talking about a variety of things, from the Green New Deal to Joe Biden's economic policies and all that in between. But Today, or tonight rather, he's going to be joining the program and we're discussing, uh, number one, the messaging as it pertains to the lockdowns. Did libertarians maybe go a little too far and not have 
the, the proper messaging? I say I don't think so. I think actually maybe we should have gone much further. Max says maybe we've gone a little too far. So make sure if you've not had the chance yet to hit that subscribe button so you're not missing tonight's conversation airing on YouTube. But for you longtime audio listener, you will get that amazing podcast episode hipping, hipping, hitting. <laughs> it's it's going to be one of those days, folks, hitting your podcast catcher there on Monday morning. So we're going to make it here, folks. With that being said, one last ask. Patreon, if you've not had the chance yet, head over to our Patreon and give us a subscribe over there. You can be a supporting member of the program as an entry-level sales executive here at The Brian Nichols Show. And you can first get one of these awesome Don't Hurt People and Don't Take People Stuff bumper stickers. Every single Patreon subscriber will get one of those bumper stickers. And then a slew of other options uh, as you enter in. So, number one, if you want to be an entry-level sales, as I mentioned not only do you get the chance to get that $5 per month sales, but also as you head over to the Patreon and you hit the entry level sales, you also get the chance to enter into a mastermind group with yours truly and a bunch of other awesome guests when that time comes. And of course, you'll be uh, joined uh, up with amazing folks in our, our Facebook group as well. And, and also, you can go ahead and become an account executive at $10 a month, uh, get one-on-ones with uh, yours truly and a bunch of other uh, neat little perks there behind the scenes. And at the same point in time, helping grow the Brian Nichols show, helping reach more people and leaving folks, yes, educated, enlightened, and informed. So folks, thank Thank you so much for joining us here on today's uh, special Sunday Candidate Highlight Series with Trisha Butler. And for folks looking forward to our program up here tonight with Max Gulker, make sure you've hit subscribe so you're not missing out. But to those folks, otherwise, it's Brian Nichols signing off here on The Brian Nichols Show for Trisha Butler. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.